work like everything depends upon you, but rest because everything depends upon God. It's this duality. But most men lack all sexual discipline. Their bodies say porn hub, they do. Their body says she's here, they, they have no discipline. The men of God were great men, period. You have women who are blessings, women who are burdens. You can barely take care of yourself emotionally and spiritually. You can barely take care of yourself. You want five wives? You want three wives? First and foremost, Hafiz, thank you so much for hopping on this podcast. I like, it's crazy, like watching podcasts, like you get to a point of like really feeling like you know somebody. I, although we've never met personally, or I guess met once. Yeah. I literally just off of your excellence and you being consistent, feel like I've known you for over four years now. That's dope. And um, bro, you, um, Chris, the podcast, it's, it's always, it's been very entertaining to watch. Great. Um, and honestly, I think what I love the most about what you guys do is your, your ability to bring a Christian perspective in, in a tangible way. So like you guys aren't very like overt with saying like, oh, like uh, it's, this is what the Bible says. And you're not like pushy about it, but you're still, of course, you could tell your Christians and like that message is explained in, in a way that I think resonates with people a lot because it, you, you touch on the tangible reasons behind the word of God versus just speaking the word of God and just hoping that it just sinks in. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. No, yeah, and I think that um, for me, it's been great to watch. And with you being someone that I know a lot of men listen to and watch, I, I kind of wanted to tap into you and why you, how you got into being a Christian and, like, your perspective on certain things. Of course, of course. And I appreciate it, man. I think it's, uh, it's always a great opportunity to be able to share these ideas and whatever value I can bring to people. It's always my desire to try to bring the most amount of possible. So really grateful for your consistency and your persistence in making this happen. Honestly, bro, thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Like uh, the whole movement, I'm, like however I can help, I'm down. Like I love everything that you're doing. Like wh what you're doing with the standard event, I think is just great for men. And um, I think just your ability to stand as a leader is something that you don't see a lot today and we need more of it. No, 100%. No, I think, I think to me the, the most exciting part about the stand and what we're building, Joe and I are building, yeah. is that it's not about me. And so what happens is in a lot of organizations and structures, what you'll find is that there's their one-man focus. And when that one man goes down, the whole system goes down, right? So, for example, people will always credit, you know, the, the nation of Islam when Malcolm X died, what happened to it. Civil rights movement when, when, when King died, what happened to it. So there's a lot of things that go on that are led by one great man, and that's a beautiful thing. But the problem is a lot of organizations are very, um, in my opinion, they're, they're in a bad situation when they're simply having all the emphasis being on one man. And one of the things with the standard was we want to make the standard a community of extraordinary men. The idea is like Justice League, right? In the Justice League, you have many amazing superheroes. You have Batman, you have Superman, you have Green Arrow, you have, you have the Martian Manhunter, you have Cyborg, you have all these amazing heroes. If Superman went down, obviously he's Superman, obviously he's a leader, but the Justice League can still go on because 100%. there's so many competent, successful men who are part of the organization. And so to me, I'm really excited about linking up with all those men and connecting and building something great in today's world. You see a lot where people see like a Jay-Z or see like a big, a big figure and want to kind of like be on that level and, and, but don't know what the behind the scenes looks like and think that it's just a, like a one man band to your point. But like, yeah, no, honestly, like it's a hard thing to do. I think, uh, especially like without like finances or without like, um, an ability to like have people, you know, like bringing the right, the right people, but it is something that's necessary to do. And I think the great thing about what you're, what you're doing with the standard is, literally the environment is like that. Like it's, it's literally when you get there, that's what it's about. Everybody's there for one reason to figure out how we can help each other and help each other build. So bro, men of excellence, you, you live and buy it. You know what I mean? Got the t-shirt on, yeah. got the, got the wedding band. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you really, you really walking, walking, um, walking what you talk. So I love it. Okay. So then, all right. So, um, with you being a Christian, I know. So, you, so you're Nigerian, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm Ghanaian. So I know that had a big, like, uh, something to do with, like, me being a Christian. Do you think 
that had I I don't I don't know if okay no. so it's so okay oh so no, yeah, so, yeah my dad's Muslim my name is Hafiz and Hafiz oh, wow. means one who memorizes the Quran oh wow so um growing up I went to mosque and church simultaneously and my parents did a great job of instilling you know the 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 fear of God and the knowledge of God and the and the, and the desire for God but a religion per se it wasn't really I wasn't really raised a particular religion I went to Catholic school from preschool to fifth grade, and then I went to public school moving forward. So I wouldn't necessarily say my my spiritual foundation came from, or my spiritual theology, doctrine, worldview came from my parents. And I think that's what makes me unique. A lot of people, their religion came from their parents. And that's a beautiful thing. But but then what happens is a lot of times the religion is regurgitated and it's not theirs, it's their parents. Happened to me. So to me... I became a believer at 19 years old, my sophomore year of college, on my own. I grew on my own. I okay. learned the Bible on my own with, a, with obviously amazing men who came alongside me. And I feel like that experience shapes the exact person that you see today. So then, okay, so then what was it then? So like at 19, what was it that like inspired you? Yeah. So long story short... Um, 19 years old, my dream was to go into the NFL. I was playing college football my freshman year at Wingate University's Division II school in North Carolina. Okay. I transferred to Troy University in a Division I school because I thought I deserved to play Division I football. Yep. And while I was at um, Troy University, I got invited to a Bible study. It's a long story how I got to the Bible study, but I'll just, just wrap it up. Yeah. I got invited to a Bible study, and, and, and I never went to Bible study. My roommate at that time was like, yo, we don't go to church and he was just under the impression that you should go to church at least once a month. Let's just try out a Bible study instead. And so me and my roommate went to this Bible study. And the very first day I was at the Bible study, I was blown away because my whole life, I never thought that men would want to go to Bible study. I thought it was like your mom makes you go or your auntie or grandma. I didn't think men actually wanted to go on their own. So pull up this Bible says like 20 guys there. And it's not just, you know, the Steve Urkels or the Ned Flanders. You know what I mean? Like these are like real masculine men. I was just blown. It was a very intoxicating environment, similar to what you described when you walk into that standard event in Atlanta. And so for me, like I was really, um, um, drawn to that. And then the first Bible study, I'll never forget it, was talking about the difference between religion and a relationship, something I disagree with now. But at that moment, I thought it was extremely like revolutionary and it wanted, and I wanted to learn more. And I went to Bible study for a few couple of weeks, had some issues with some theology, processed through it. And then I, I believe on week four of the Bible study, I went up to the, the leader of the Bible study. He's actually one of my mentors and closest friends today, Zach Markham, and said, I want to give my life to the Lord. And I did on that day. Wow, man. Well, and there's a lot of things I love about that. One is um, something that you actually told me that, like, uh, bro, I'm telling you, it's really stuck with me. So you talked about how there's three different types of people. You talked about how you have um, evil people who just for whatever reason, um, are just bent on doing, like, wrong things. Then you have, like, what you may, I may be misquoting you. Civilians. Civilians, yes. right? Where people who are just really living life indifferent, I guess you could say, where they're just kind of, like, roaming around. And then lastly, you have what are called, what you reference as heroes, which are people who believe, believe that um, they have something to give to the world and are actively, consciously making the choice to do that. And I think that what you're describing is, you entering an environment of heroes, of people who took the responsibility to um, foster an environment that someone like you could enter, feel comfortable enough to like grow in and, you, and, that's, and eventually come to God. And I think that's what we need more of. And I think another point that I love about what you're saying is the fact that you did have the comfortability of being able to push into like questions without being judged, it sounds like, and kind of like, you know, being in an environment where like, people were patient with like you and were some somewhat gentle in their like approach so that you could, you know, grow within your relationship, especially when it was in such a C form. So that makes sense to me. And I think that to be honest, like as we have this conversation, it's probably going to circle back to needing more heroes a lot, mm -hmm. but um, I definitely kind of want to like keep, like, I think there's a lot to discuss here. So like with that being said, I, as Christian, Christianity Day is interesting, you know, like people have, like so many different questions about so many different things. Um, and it's, in my opinion, has become something that like has not necessarily been valued culturally. And I think that personally, I don't believe that it's 
our generation's fault that we're here. I think it's due to um, not, I don't want to say failed leadership, but let's say a lack of heroes. Right. And um, yeah. So I, I think with that being said, um, just a couple of questions, right? Mm-hmm. So I think like that, because you're persp- that I, I'm interested to hear your perspective on. Mm-hmm. So um, when it comes to um, career, right? What are some things that you've gleaned from the Bible or Christianity that you think has helped you career-wise? Yeah. No, I think there's a lot of layers to this conversation, but I'll, I'll answer your question as yeah. most directly as possible. One of my friends told me something. And I believe it's in Colossians 3.23. I could be wrong. When it's like, whatever you do, you know, do unto God, not unto man. And my friend gave me a quote. Not, um, a guy I knew. Not my friend. A guy I knew gave me a quote. And he said, excellence glorifies God and inspires men. To me, what I saw in the Bible and in the word of God is the men of God were great men, period. They weren't great religious men. They weren't great men in whatever civilization. They were great men, period. Yeah. That can compete with any man. You know? Uh, King David can compete with Alexander the Great. He can compete with, you know, Genghis Khan. He can compete with, you know, King Moctezuma. He can compete with the 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 Yoruba kings of 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 West Africa. He's a great man. And so to me, there is this understanding of as 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 a man of God, you're Call to greatness. You're called to greatness. And what that inspired me to be is to be the greatest in my field. And I think sometimes what Christians do is that they 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 want to stay in full-time ministry primarily, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's a whole big world that needs to be tapped into. And so it's a question of, yo, how great are you going to be at your task? Like, so you see in the book of Acts, they talk about um, a woman named Lydia. And Lydia was a seller of purple goods. And so purple goods are like this idea of like purple royalty. You know, it was a very luxury clothing line. She was great at her job. Yeah. You know, she, she, she wasn't a great Christian clothes salesman. She was a great clothes salesman regardless of of the religion or what's going on. And so to me, I viewed it as, okay, we want to be the best show period. We want to be the best. We want to compete with the best. So whatever, whoever guests they're bringing on, we want to bring on whatever they can do. We want to do it. And so that shaped how we worked because we viewed as it. I viewed it as my personal responsibility to be the best. hundred percent. And then, okay, so then what's interesting is I think some people listening, right, may be like, all right, well, um, if, if you got to be so great, then what role does God have in that? That's bad theology. Okay, break it down. So the, the, the theology, so, so there's this old Puritan saying, and it seems contradictory, but you have to bear with me. And it says, work like everything depends upon you. But rest like everything, like, sorry, work like everything depends upon you, but rest because everything depends upon God. It's this duality, right? So there's, there's the secular world where they work and rest like it all depends upon me. That's false because man can water, man can plant, but it's only God that provides the increase, correct? So that's foolishness. But then there's this spiritual wor- world where people are overly spiritual where they're like, well, I have faith and I don't have works. And James said what? That's dead. So there's this duality where you have the ultimate faith, but the ultimate works. And you know that God is the one that provides the increase. So when you understand that concept, you know you're called to be great as a believer. So then what does rest look like to you what rest looks like to me is i give it my 110 percent best simple let's do let's do it let's i'll rewind okay yeah the sabbath you take a sabbath and you say god i could work seven days but i'm gonna work six and rest and trust that the world will continue without me yeah rest looks like what i'm working on i'm, I'm not the best at it but rest looks like knowing Guess what? At the end of the day, 
I can sleep at night because I know God got me. Not worried. Yes. As, as the, Matthew, the book of Matthew about what Christ said about, do not be anxious about tomorrow. But I want to I I stay there because okay. there's something deeper about Christianity that I believe turns off a lot of men. Okay. In your question. Yeah. I've wrestled with this statement recently about having a relationship with God. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard some discussion. And, 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 and for clarification, there's nothing wrong with individuals who say they have a relationship with God because that is what they have. The problem that I see is that when I'm looking through scriptures, I don't see that language. Yeah. I don't, I don't see that language, right, about relationship with God. You might see some language in the New Testament with, with the bride of Christ, right? And, and you see that, that duality. But generally speaking, you don't see it in the old and new, that language. So what happens with a lot of men is that men think, okay, for me to be close to God, I need to have a relationship with him. And then it's like this thing where it's like, what does that mean? And traditionally, a relationship with God re- requires what I call passive worship, right? And passive worship is what? Let's talk. Let's read a book. Let's sing a song. That is what I, what I call, it's my definition, called passive worship. It's, it's what you can do on your own, in a building, in a place. It's this passive worship. And historically speaking, men... Don't worship God passively. You go to the book of Hebrews, and I believe it's in chapter 12, I always get it confused, the Hall of Faith chapter, Mm -hmm. and it talks about how men worship God through their action. Abraham worshiped God because he left his father's, I mean, Lot, his father's land with Lot and went to Canaan. Noah worshiped God by building the ark. King David worshiped God. The first time you see King David speak in 1 Samuel, he's talking about slaying Goliath. Men traditionally worship God through action. And what is that action? That action is pursuing your purpose. That is when you look up the, the men of God, the Isaiahs of the world, you look up the, you know, the Ezekiels, all these men of God, even Christ. And I always say, look at look in the scripture and count how many references to reading his word, praying, um, talking to God is mentioned versus when Christ was actively going out, healing people, actively going out, preaching messages. I'm not saying don't pray. Uh, I'm not saying don't do these things. Obviously, it's both. But men primarily worship God through proactive activity. You think about the book of Nehemiah when they're trying to rebuild the temple after it was after, I mean, the walls of Israel after it was broken down. That's how the men of old worship God. When you look in the book of Exodus, when he left the promised land and then God was like, yo, you build this, you build the Ark of the Covenant, you do this. That's how men worship God. So, yeah. so what I've seen is that a lot of men who struggle with understanding how Christianity, how God is relevant to their lives is because they don't understand that your worship to God is pursuing your purpose. No, and I love how you said that because I think to your point, relationship also doesn't mean the same thing to everyone, right? Hundred percent. So like if so yeah, so I think if like if if I'm if I'm a man and I hear a relationship and my girl's stressing me out, you know, whatever, I might look at that and be like, I'm cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> so but so I see I definitely see what you're saying. And um yeah, like I heard someone define worship as intimacy with God. And I think that what you're describing now is the result of having an intimacy with God and being someone who's sensitive to what God's saying because God is a God of action. So if, if you're if you are someone who to not use the word relationship, but someone who is devoted to God, then you are someone who would probably be getting downloads of things to do and things to be about. And yes, I I, I firm wholeheartedly believe that God calls us to give our best and then he'll do the rest and be excellent. And excellence, yeah, is like is is being like the best at something, the only person doing something, or the first person. You know, it's really it's really you know competing in the world space and not 
Yeah, so we're we definitely on the same page yeah. there, and I, and I love it. So okay, so there's a, there's a lot to discuss though. So yeah. like so so, we, so that's career. Um, all right, so then there's there's relationships too, right? So yeah. like in the context of relationships, um, there's a, I think there's a lot to talk about, right? So like, um, is there any wisdom that you think that you've taken from the Bible on relationships? And it's interesting because you just you just talked about how the word relationship is not even like thoroughly in the Bible like mm-hmm. that. If you read it from my perspective, and, and, and correct me if you if you see it differently, but the Bible doesn't even necessarily talk too much about um, how to go about yeah. dating. You know, it's mm-hmm. like there's marriage, even even that's not even like thoroughly talked about. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's kind of like I'm just curious, though. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot that's being thrown out, and I think that it's like sometimes hard to follow. Like you got what you got to wait till marriage being thrown out consistently, which is which is true, but. I, but I'm talking a lot. What's your perspective? Like, what are some yeah. things that you've taken from the Bible that you think yeah. have helped you relationally? So people got to understand what the Bible is meant to do. Okay. The Bible is not... Somebody once said the Bible is... Like, they use an acronym called ba- Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. That's not what it is. Like, there's a lot of these cool acronyms about the text. That's not what it is. You're really debunking a lot of things, right? <laughs> no, and, 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 and to me, like I said, these are all my personal opinions. Yeah, no, but... No, be, be, yeah, make it, yeah. But... The Bible doesn't teach you how to build a house. You need a house to live. It doesn't teach you how to cook a meal. You need to cook a meal to live. There's a lot of fundamental parts about life that the Bible doesn't teach. The Bible gives you a foundation and understanding of God from the histories of men of old so you can use that wisdom to go out into your life. So to your question That's about very well worded. the question about dating there's no instruction book about dating, marriage, or, or um, courting in the Bible. You might have things like in Ephesians 5 when Paul says, Husbands, love your wives like Christ of the church and women submit to your husbands. But besides a sentence or two, there's not instructions on how things should happen. Yeah. You know, there might be some rules in the book of Exodus or Leviticus and Numbers about if your wife does this, you can leave her. And if this, like this, but it's not that in depth. So I believe. As believers, we use biblical texts to, to shape our wisdom to learn how to navigate relationships. So answer the question that you asked no, me. No, but yeah. I think what I've learned in, from the word of God is that you have, as King Solomon shared about it in Proverbs, you have women who are assets, women who are liabilities. <laughs> yeah. You have women who are blessings, women who are burdens. Once you understand that, it is your job as a man to see, is that woman wisdom or is that woman folly? Because those are the two themes that are juxtaposed in the books of Proverbs. So what I think a lot of guys don't realize, it is, it's your job to use your God-given discernment to see, is that woman a, a woman of wisdom that's going to be an asset to my life? Or is that a woman, a woman of folly that's going to be a liability to my life? So to me, dating is that investigation period. If I'm investigating to see, is she a woman who is going to benefit me? Or is she a woman that's going to be a burden to me? A lot of guys treat dating like a mini marriage. They meet a girl, they start having sex, they fall madly in love, and then they think, oh, we're going to have a family together. You did no investigation. You asked no questions. You didn't see if she fits your life. You weren't being honest about yourself. You didn't know your needs. You simply went into dating like some Disney Channel romanticized (laughs) nonsense. And then you suffer because of it. And so for me, treating dating the commitment dating that season of my life to really investigate. Does this woman fit my life? I really believe that that saved me from so many headaches that so many men fall into every day. So, okay. So then um, what about waiting until marriage? Like, do you think that what's your perspective on that? Here's the reality. (laughs) Here's the reality. You should. Every man should. And if God told me, if God says go right, I can never say go left. So if God says this is the way it is, I'm never going to go in against God. There's a lot of wisdom in it. But a lot of guys don't do it. I didn't do it. 
But here's what I've learned from that, from that experience. The reason God, there's many reasons God wants you to wait. And here's the main reason. He wants you to learn an important lesson that will save your life. Talk to him. I'm telling you, this lesson, once you learn it, will save your life. Yes, sir. Say no to how you feel and say yes to what God says. And then if I could just interject. So, so, so I am uh, waiting until marriage right now. Well, trying my best. It's, you know, of course. It's not the easiest thing to do. Yes. And with that being said, I, I, I think that, like, I love what you, I love what you're saying, but I'm, I also even want to highlight that you can even be waiting until marriage and still, I think, fall victim to what you're describing, right? Like, of allowing lust or, like, um, certain things to get in the way. Like, if I'm waiting until marriage and I'm watching porn or if I'm waiting until marriage and I'm um, just on the gram looking at all these, you know, you know, the, whatever's all there, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, it, you, so I think that, like, um, personally, it's like, it's 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 thrown as like a bent, a bandage solution that can save all relationships, and I think what I'm I, I think I love what you're saying because you're you're touching on like, as you always do the the tangible reasons be, why the why behind the, the yeah it, and I want and I want to even get in even deeper to that because a lot of guys don't realize this this fundamental point because here's what's gonna happen most men today lack zero self control and they lack zero sexual discipline uh, yeah. And so this is interesting debate conversation that we may get into later, but most men lack all sexual discipline. Their bodies say porn hub, they do. Their body says she's here, they, they have no discipline. When, you, when you're tr- w- waiting till marriage is not about not having sex. It's all about pursuing God mm. in spite of how I feel. That's, all, that's what it's really about. Because here's what happens. If you're simply waiting until marriage and you have sex, guess what? I didn't wait anymore. So what do I do? Keep on having sex. So even with me and my wife, even though we didn't wait, we never, we, we never continued to always say, oh, we, just, we already had sex once. Let's go into it. We were like, no, the purpose of this lesson is that we need to learn how to pursue God in spite of how we feel. 100%. So some days we pass, some weeks we fail. But we're always going to try to pursue God in spite of how we feel. And let me tell you how it's going to save guys. Because if you are a successful guy, if you are an ambitious guy, if you are a man who's improving and leveling up and tapping to his full potential, there's going to come a time in the day for all the guys who struggle with pornography that that woman that you see in that pornography video is going to want you in person. And you're going to be married and you're going to have children. And if you've never learned, I'm not talking about no average Betty. I'm not talking about no, you know, big beluga whales. I'm talking about the <laughs> woman that these guys, you're watching on those videos. A woman like that is going to want you. In 3D. And she going to, and the difference is, <laughs> it's one thing when you're having to talk to her and, and no, she she's on you. She's, you. she's right on it. Yeah. And if you never learn discipline, I'm telling you, I am telling you. From, a, from, from experience of God saving me by the hair <laughs> of, my, of my toe. Word, word. Literally, you will fall and you can potentially ruin your life. As a man, right, I think sometimes, uh, so like there's the whole like gender role discussion and all of that. But something that I've realized is, um, one, if, if I'm not following God and I have a woman following me, She's following a um, limited resource. She's because if if because I'm an imperfect person. So if, if it stops with me, then that's where the relationship stops. And if so, if I'm pursuing God, then it's like we we're going for something that is not is never going to be attainable. But that's great because it, it shows the the level of room that there is to grow in the relationship. And on the and then on the other end, when finding a girl to date. There's also the, pers- the, the there's also for me I found a comfort in knowing that a woman it, my girl is focused on ch- at least pursuing excellence in that regard as well mm-hmm. so that like I know oh we're both this is we're both running for an unachievable standard but to your point I love what you said that is that is the standard though and I think that there's a, a peace of mind that comes on both sides when you know, you know what I mean? When that's like something that both partners are pursuing that helps foster like 
a trust to, you know what I mean, w within the relationship that I think, you know, is, is something that you can feel comfortable laying in. Because sometimes, you know, it's like, whoa, like, I, I don't know if I can trust you three yeah. years from now. Or, you know, no, you know what I'm saying? That's really good. And, and, a, and, a, and a latter point to that is that you, you want a woman as well who says yes to God in spite of how she feels. These are important things. Yeah, bro. Because today, to today people live off of their feelings. Yeah. Because there's going to come a time in the day where when you guys are single and you're, and you're having sex and there's a time of your life, but then when you're married and maybe she's not in the mood. Mm. You see, before when she was single, when she, when she felt like doing it, even though she wasn't supposed to do it, she did it anyway. Because she let her feelings control her. But let's say you're married and now she's not in the mood. Her feelings tell her, I don't want to do it. Is she going to do what's beneficial for you? She won't. Because her whole life, she's learned what I feel, I do. Mm. You want a woman mm. who... You talk a talker right you know, now. <laughs> you want a, seriously, a man, you want a woman who you know, she has a higher power to hold herself accountable to. At the end of the day, if you do wrong... And you don't, and there's no God, Holy Spirit convicting you, because I can only convict you so much. I can whatever you're doing in the dark, I can't convict you of it. I don't know. But you want a woman who has, as Solomon said in the book of um, Proverbs, yeah. the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So you want a woman who has that general reverence for God. That's what will create that wisdom in her behavior. Yeah. I think that's important. No, bro. It's important, and it's you know maneuvering through it is interesting. But if I you know get into that point, so to close the relationship topic, we bro, we we, we see the wedding band. You know what I mean? Congratulations! You, you know that's a, you know a big thing. Um, get into that point, right? Um, do you feel like you got like you know like the download from God? Like, hey, this she's the one. Like, uh, man, I think to me it was a lot of trial and error. Okay, you know I dated a lot of different women. And I think the very first thing as a man is you need to know where you're going. Mm. If a man does not know where he's going, does not know who to bring into his life. So many men right now, they're with a woman right now who is taking them in the wrong direction. But you know, what, know, know why he does nothing? He doesn't know what direction he should go into. Mm. If you don't know what direction you're supposed to go, any other direction, you can follow it because you have no idea you're going the wrong way. I'll give you an example. Let's say you're living in Boston. Okay. And you're about to hop in a car. Yeah. You don't know where you're going. But you know you want to go somewhere. The Uber driver said, I'm going to take you east. Cool. Let's go east. Where's east to? The ocean. <laughs> you, halfway there, realize, oh, I'm going to want to go to the mountains. Mountains west. But now you're in a car heading in a direction. Because when a man has no direction, he follows someone else's direction. Mm. And so usually that person's direction is that woman. So, so, so do you think then that like, because you hear, you know, I've heard a couple of different perspectives here on like, all right, like a man should figure out his purpose before he finds his girl. Do you, is that something that you like stand? It makes it yes and no. Because let me tell you what can happen. I'll give you two, two examples. First example. I'll give two ideal for both examples. First ideal, you don't know your purpose, but you're with a woman who believes in the God in you. And she knows, okay, I'm going to go through this process to, to follow you wherever you're going to go. That's the rarest of the rare women in this world. <laughs> yeah. Like. Or you're a guy like, I don't know my purpose. So you find a woman. Then you find out, Year two into marriage, my purpose is to be a missionary in Nigeria. But she's like, well, I want to be on a beauty salon in Manhattan. What happens now? Mm. So do you think, so, so, so it's like, essentially, like, yeah, like, if um, it's easier, it, like, and I, and I agree, like, I think it's, it's definitely easier as a man, like, if you've found yourself it's like okay you this you fit in in this situation we're going in this direction you fit but if we're being real on the way and trying to figure yourself out you might stumble upon somebody that you you know might be an asset to yeah. your point that's worth but that. here but here's what men have to understand this is another important lesson about relationships guys gotta understand 
Marriage is not what Disney Channel tells you it is. It's not all emotions, and it's not all logic. It's logic and emotion, 50-50 both. The logic part is it will never work if you guys are going in different directions. It can only work if you're going in the same direction. The fundamental problem is that if you meet a woman who's an asset, but let's say she's an asset to a guy who's driving south to Miami, but then you realize my purpose is to drive west to the mountains. Now guess what happens? She's not an asset to you anymore. She's supposed to be good. She's fit for a guy going that way. Make it tangible. No, but I see. Yeah. Let's say you're a guy and you're like, you know what, man, I I wanna I wanna be a career guy. I don't know what career I want to be in, and I want a career woman. Next thing you know, you're a CEO making seven figures, doing so well. Life is crazy busy. So dang man, what I really want now, once I kind of know who I am, I need a woman who's gonna be a stay at home mother and and not always be working a job herself, working 80 hours a week like me. But your girl right now, that's not who she is. She's not going to be a stay-at-home mom. She's a career woman like you. That's how you found her. So now what happens? Interesting. So these are things that guys don't realize. You know, there came a time in the, in, in the past when women did whatever their husbands told them to do. Mm-hmm. That day and age is over. Women have plans, de- destinations of their own. So if you don't know yours... She may, she will know hers, and if your destination is opposite of her destination, what a lot of guys do today is a compromise. I know a lot of guys right now who are living in Atlanta because their girl wanted to move to Atlanta when they know they're supposed to be in Los Angeles. They know they're supposed to be in Dallas, but they came here because their girl was here, and then now they're here and they're stuck and they're not. They feel uncalled. They feel off of their purpose. So. To me, that is what I've noticed can happen if you're a man and you pick a woman who doesn't fit your life. Man, and I, no, I, I think, bro, we're definitely on the same page there. Um, man, I, there's so many like directions I, 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 could, I could take here, but, but um, I think just, clo- just, just kind of going a little left. Um, so you hear people saying like, well, in the Bible, like there were certain guys who had like multiple wives. Mm-hmm. You're just, you know, a well Bible studied guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah. What's your take on, on that? I'm kind of pivoting a little bit. Yeah, no, this is good. Here's what we need to understand. Because I was actually having this conversation with my with my friend. Um, and and I, I, I usually don't really share my most private ideas. I save that for my, my personal friends, but I'll, I'll share some of these with you and your appreciate audience. Appreciate it, appreciate it. In the book of Genesis, chapter six, God, before he, t- he found Noah, he said, I look at man and all their thoughts are bent on evil continuously. Mm. And God said, I regret making man on this planet. Yeah. Noah found favor in his eyes. We knew the story of the flood. I let it out. That sentence was really important to me. Later on in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about this battle between the spirit and the flesh. I do what I do not want to do and what I do not want to do is what I do. And what I want to do is what I do not do. You know, is it called the doo-doos of the Bible, right? He's always, he's talking about this confliction. The natural man is the flesh. As God complained about him in Genesis 6, whose honesty mind is bent on evil continuously. And what evil is, is whatever he wants. If God is good, and evil is, is, is the opposite. Evil is what it's, it's, if good is what God wants, evil is whatever God doesn't want. Yeah. So how this is relating to the, the, the polygamy conversation. For, from the beginning of time, all men have been living according to their flesh. That's natural. The natural man is a man being led by his flesh. 
The supernatural man is a man being led by a spirit. Okay. But we have to keep it real. Yeah. 99% of people are led by their flesh. And even the people who are led by their spirit, they're occasionally led by the flesh. From the beginning of time, men of status, the natural order was multiple women. God told Moses, make sure your kings don't have multiple wives. He told him that. Oh, wow. I did not. I did not. You, you look at, you, if you look it up <laughs> in, in, in the Pentateuch, in, in, in one of the first five books, one of the laws, uh, you have a cell phone? Can you, can you look up um, um, Bible verse, kings should not have multiple wives? I want you to look that up for me. I want. I want to read this. I want. I want to jump. I, I want to jump into no, this yeah. conversation. Um, so, is in Deuteronomy seventeen. I hope it's not a long one. So, in Deuteronomy seventeen, starting in verse fourteen, the yeah. section is titled "Guidelines for a King." Okay. So, in verse seventeen. All right. He says the king must not take many wives for himself. Because they will turn his heart away from the Lord. Mm. Let's pause right there. So it's clear. God understood. every. He understood. Every king, Persia, Sumeria, Babylon, Mesopotamia, um, Aztecs, Incan, Yoruba, Zulu, <laughs> Egyptians. Every king has multiple wives. That's what they do. God said you shouldn't do it. Because they will turn your hearts from the Lord. And there's a lot of reason behind that. What did David do? Multiple wives. And what did Solomon do? Multiple, multiple, And multiple. what did it say? I'm gonna, I want to read something to you. So, everybody knows the story of King Solomon. I believe he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Yeah, yeah. So, I want to read something they said about Solomon at the end of his life. In 2 Samuel, oh, this is in 1 Kings. Solomon's in 1 Kings, I'm sorry. 1 Kings. Shout out to you for having this on demand like that, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bro, you know, I, I live this, man. Cool. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women. I understand, Solomon. <laughs> Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab. Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. New Living Translation. This yeah, 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 yeah. one I like to. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And in fact, listen to his last sentence. Mm. And in fact, they did turn his heart from the Lord. Oh, wow. So you really just sealed the, sealed the deal right there. So about the multiple wives, men have done it. They've always done it. Religious men, Christian men, Muslim men, Hindu, they've all have done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is a warning that God has shared about it. And in The Way to Superior Man, another book that I love as well, Great book. he talks about that. He warns men that sometimes it's very interesting. He talks about this in the book. He's not even a Christian guy. He says, you will want more than one woman. He mentions it. Okay, you do. But at the very end, he said, but be careful. It's not always as much. It's, 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 he said, be careful. A lot of times it's more trouble than what it's worth. So to me, I'm not denying. I'm a Yoruba. Our culture is polygamous. A lot of people in my family are polygamists, but it, but it causes more trouble than what it's worth. And God, from Scripture, and, and Islam is different. Islam, you know, they celebrate it. But um, biblically speaking, guys like, yo, they will turn your heart away. And so to me, I think as a man of God, you need to take that warning, heed that warning, because a lot of other men have tried it, and the consequences wasn't always in their best interest. Man, and yo, I've I've heard a lot of responses to this, and, I, and honestly, I think 
you really surgically kind of went in that and bro, I've never heard of broken down, but that makes a lot of sense to me. And yeah, like I think even like uh, Paul said something along the lines of like, uh, if you can't, if you can't like constrain yourself, like get married. And I think like in the context of what you're speaking on, if you were to be married to, I I can, I can, in short, I can see how you could be derailed from your, like being connected with God, same avoided the relationship um, by having the multiple wives, especially if, like, yeah, like I, I can see how that could. So d- let, let's talk about that verse from Paul. Let's yeah. talk about that verse from that first Corinthians chapter seven. That verse you're describing exactly. Yeah. So in first Corinthians chapter seven, Paul, you know, obviously the first Corinthians is a very contextual book. I know all these things that are going on in first Corinthians, but I want to, I want to, I want to read to you a point that you that you mentioned. It says, in verse chapter seven, verse thirty-three, he says. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. Right? So what he's describing is that in this chapter, he's saying, hey, due to this present time, I advise you guys not to be married. And his reasons why I gave that advice. But one of the things he said is because your, your interests can be divided. And he's talking about one wife. Imagine five. Exactly. Yeah. 10, 15, 20, 25. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's very hard to be managing that many women. That's what people don't. Like, when, <laughs> when people are talking about polygamy, like, th- there was a time and day when women were basically robots and they just sat down in the house, had a baby, cooked a dinner, they say nothing. Mm-hmm. That's not today. Yeah, no. You wanna manage five different women personalities needs emotions frustrations you saw what happened when freaking um israel aka jacob had two wives they were competing against each other it was stressful for him like there's jealousy there's deceit like these are not always perfect situations and and to me if you're a guy let's talk about it if you are a guy right now you can barely get in the gym (laughs) You can barely eat right. You can ba- you're barely financially stable. You can barely wake up in the morning. You can barely take care of yourself emotionally and spiritually. You can barely take care of yourself. You want five wives? Yeah, yeah. You want three wives? You can't even manage you. No, yeah. And, and come on, man. And, and to your and to your point though, I think I think even people outside of the Christian space, like get a little stressed when they hear like multiple wives it's like whoa like don't nobody want you know to manage multiple people or having multiple women frustrated with them and managing all those relationships but but there is a lot of people and i, I didn't expect to hit on relationships like this but we really getting into it like um I, like there is a lot of men who would say well all right well maybe i don't ever want to be married and maybe i'll just kind of you know play the field consistently and you said something that i think um hit the nail on the head for me on, on one of one of you're on so many different platforms, but uh, it, it might have been the roommates podcast where you were saying like, yo, like okay, you can play the field for how long? You know what I mean? Like, because they 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 get to the point, and you you can explain it better than me. But you were basically saying like, there's gonna come a point where you're like, nobody wants to be the 50, 60 year old dude yeah. still kind of you know outside. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's real. And so to me, let's talk about the moral damage you're playing the field because there's no religion. And no society that, that rewards promiscuity. Let's make that clear. The modern Western promiscuous male idea is not is frowned upon in every society. Not saying these men don't do it. They do it. It's frowned upon. In societies of old, you had wives, you had concubines. But this idea of I'm going to go through the village and slay them all? No, 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 no. And you're saying historically. Yeah, historically okay. speaking, no, no, that's frowned, you don't, that's frowned upon. Oh, I'm smashing a neighbor's wife. And then that's frowned upon. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So in this idea of you as a successful man bringing multiple women into your life, I understand that. But what men are doing today is frowned upon. Give an example. In a lot of, like, like in, 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 in the Bible, it's, it's, it's crazy rules. We're getting into it now. But in a lot of cultures, especially um, Islamic and Christian cultures, a woman not being a virgin is, is frowned upon. That is like taboo. Yeah. So if you are a guy and you're going around the village 
smashing and taking all the girls' virginity. Now when the dudes want to marry them, in, the, in, that, in these cultures, yo, I'm not marrying that girl. So I, 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 I describe it, it's going to be very offensive to some women who are going to be watching this, but <laughs> I describe it as like the, 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 as the ice cream shop. Imagine you're at an ice cream shop and you want, what's your fa- favorite flavor of ice cream? Vanilla. Keep it vanilla ice cream, what's your favorite flavor? Strawberry. strawberry. You want vanilla cone, you want a strawberry cone. We, all, we, we, want, we want ice cream. Yes, sir. There's a guy in front of us in line. He's there initially. I like vanilla too. I want vanilla as well. We both want vanilla. You want strawberry. We're, we're at the ice cream shop. The guy comes in and he says, man, I actually don't want to buy any ice cream. I just want to test him out. He takes his finger, dips it in the ice cream. Oh, vanilla, it's okay. Dips it in the strawberry. <laughs> oh, strawberry, it's okay. Chocolate, you know, sherbet. Um, cookies and he's digged his hand in all the ice creams. I don't want any of them. I'm gonna leave. Do you want the ice cream? You put his finger in it. Do you want it? Oh yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> he ruined the ice cream for everybody. Yeah, that's what a lot of these guys are doing. They're saying, I don't want to marry these girls. I don't want. I want to, and they're running through them, damaging them, taking advantage of them, hurting them. The good ones. And then now, a lot of guys are like, I don't want that cone anymore. Yeah. And so, to me, there's this moral responsibility as a man where, like, yo, you got to think about the community. You got to think about other people besides yourself itself when you're running through the streets. And it's, it's, too, it's too, two-sided, though, right? Because on one end, like, although, like, um, there's, like, the... I wonder that I think that that is like a godly perspective. And I think that's one that I try to take on. Like sometimes you, you even have to want better for the, even a girl may even want for themselves, you know, where like you're conscious of the fact that, Hey, I know you're saying you're cool with this, you know, friends with benefits, you're cool with this one night or whatever, but I know I'm putting my finger in this ice cream and it's not going to help you long-term. I know deep down the God version of you should be moving in this way, not that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know what, let me, you know, make the responsible community decision. Mm-hmm. But then on another end, there is a lot of people who are like, yo, that's what's up that you just tasted all these flavors. <laughs> and, and, and those are the same guys who complain that there's no good women. Those are the same guys that say all these girls say are Instagram models, OnlyFans model, all these girls are for the street, all these girls are run through, all these girls are damaged. Those are the same guys. And we, and we have to, if, think about it, if you're, if you're celebrating the dudes who are damaging all the eggs in the grocery store, don't complain that all the eggs in the grocery stores are freaking damaged. Don't complain about it. You want to give you want to give a guy a medal. That's why I've oh I've never celebrated male promiscuity. We've talked about it in my Big Brother series, video lesson number eight. Sex is not an accomplishment. I've never celebrated. It's not because I know what's going on. I'm you're you're not helping society. Yeah, and, and what I love about and I think this might be able to way to bring it all together too. What I, what I love about that is I think that. I think that we got to get to a point where we graduate from like when you're in high school as a, as a dude, it's like, yo, like we're trying to figure this thing out. Like, yo, I just, I just got so-and-so's number. She's, you know, the baddest in the class or whatever, whatever. But you got to get to a certain point where it's like, yo, like, all right, you know, we getting chicks is not a hard thing to do. Like everybody, like we all can do this now. And I think that some people don't get to that point And it's almost like you, you never graduated to like accepting the fact that, Hey, look, like, it's not as much, to your point, it's not as much of an accomplishment as you think. And I think when you surround yourself with men of excellence, they, you, you get to that point where it's not, it's like, you're all, if you're messing with a lot of chicks, you're almost doing it for yourself. Yeah. Because nobody's like, whoa, that's, you know, nobody's like cheering you. I mean, you get Rihanna or something, maybe, but in general, yeah. it's, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like, all right, like, cool. So I think that like um, more heroes, more men of excellence, could kind of standardize certain things. I mean, after after a certain age, after a certain maturity point, where it won't be celebrated as much because it's it's light. It's yeah. it, you know, it's, it, it's easy. hundred percent. And that's why, to me, the goal what we do with the standard is we have to be the best. Yeah. Because think about what happened with the roommates. You saw a, a top tier podcast led by Christian men. Yeah. 
that made you feel like, oh, wow, you can be a Christian man and have a top tier show without having to sell your out to your thousand faith. percent. That was inspirational to you. Yes, it was. To me, as men of greatness, we need to be the greatest of all the men and show, yo, you can be a great quality man. And and but we don't celebrate this over here. We don't celebrate it over here. Now, nah, we don't do that over here. And I want to make something also clear in case people are confusing what I'm saying. I told the guys in the standard this. I said, the standard is a pursuit, not a destination. It is always marked by progress, never perfection. I love that. I love that. Pursuit, not destination, marked by progress, not perfection. Yeah. We are never saying we are perfect men. We are never saying we don't slip up. We are never saying we don't sin. We are never saying we don't make mistakes. We don't say the wrong thing. We don't hurt people. We didn't damage anybody. We're not saying any of that. What we are saying is every single day we're going to wake up and try to be better. Bring it full circle to what I said at the beginning. The goal is to pursue God in spite of how I feel, no matter how many times I fail. And so that's what being the standard is. And so in all areas of life, when you know better, you need to do better. When I was 18 years old and, and, and I was doing my dirt, I didn't know these things. I kind of knew it emotionally, but I didn't know. But once you know better, you do better. And then when you have men that you look up to, like, yo, heroes. yo the, the heroes, like, yo, he's masculine. He's strong. He's confident. He's successful. He's respected. 100%. But he doesn't do this dirt. Now, it, it convinces me to, do, to want to do it as well. And so that's one of our desires as well. And it's so crazy. Like, I think, like, we all, like, make it seem like we're not affected by those around us. But we really are. Like, I, like I've seen my perspective. And it, it may be sh- sad to say, but I've literally seen my perspective on things shift as I've watched my peers shift their perspective on things. So I love, like... What you're, what we're working on normalizing, and I, and I think it's, I think it's great, and I think, um, I just want to ask you, like, what do you, to, to, to close? What do you think is like um, the point of it, then, right? So, like, um, I think that when inside the faith, it's like it's an experience that's like hard to describe when from, from the outside looking in, right? Of just like, because somebody could look at it and say, well, all right, like I, I like maybe I could still find rest without God, and maybe I could I, I could still pursue excellence without it. Mm-hmm. For you, why do you need God? Like like why are you you, you know like like if, and it's a big question, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. But but like just for if if you're putting your your, your perspective, if you're putting your, yourself in the shoes of someone listening who is maybe in that seat of like, all right, well, look, I can still find rest. Like I can still do therapy and I'm still going to pursue my excellence. sounds like, you know, this God stuff is giving you good principles. I get it. I think it's good. It's doing good for you, but I don't necessarily see ex- why exactly um, I need it. What, what would you say to that guy? They don't do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to convince anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here to show you. I, if you don't, if you think it's irrelevant, I'm not here to negotiate with you. I love that though. By the way, you know way. what I mean. Yeah, I'm yeah, at, yeah. like, like God, God doesn't need me. He definitely don't need you. But what I would say is, look at the life you want to live. Look at the legacy you want to leave. What are those guys like? And if those guys have that God. And every one of them said it's a missing factor. Imagine like this. Imagine this, 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 this 50 billionaires all having a summit. You're like, man, I want to be a billionaire one day. And you say, ask every billionaire, what was the one thing that helped you become a billionaire? And every billionaire said, I read this book. I read book X. What about you? I read book X. What about you? You guys all read book X? Man, that helped us become billionaires. What are you going to do? I'm reading book X. You're reading book X. Because you're going to see a common theme that led to everyone's success. Yeah. yeah. So when you see a certain kind of man, and like, do, do other men respect him? Okay, they do. Do women desire him? Oh, they do. Is he financially stable? Oh, he is. Is he physically fit? Oh, he is. Is he emotionally healthy? Oh, wow, he is. But then he has character. 
Then he's kind. Then he's respectful. And he says all this is from God. That's the person B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, P. See, all these guys like that. I would be a little curious. That's what I would say to that person. And that's where we can leave it off, man. Yo, I love you, bro. I appreciate you, man. Thank you.